Hello and welcome back to Unleash Your Peace. My name is Ali Shoja. I am your host. I'm a positive mindset coach, a personal transformation expert, a deliberate creator, and your peace trainer. And Unleash Your Peace, this podcast over here, is your peace training. It's where we dive into different aspects about the internal world every single week. Because that's exactly where your joy resides, your peace, your creativity, everything that you love about life is within you. And we want to unlock that. We want to unleash it because when you live from this place of joy and peace and connectedness to that infinite beingness of you, that non-physical potential of you, you don't just incrementally improve the quality of your life, you actually exponentially innovate every aspect of your experiences on this physical plane you become whole you become the powerful creator you have come here to be and you become an uplifter in your family in your community and that trickles out into the world at large this is our wish for you this is our wish for everyone on this planet because that's essentially how we level up as a human race we enter the next stage of our evolution when we live in this way your other peace trainer is right next to me nilu naderi hi guys welcome back now today we have a really wonderful guest with us we have actually two we have diane mother and the daughter Daisy and our true guest here mm -hmm. is actually Daisy. She's the star of the show. Daisy, introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us a little bit about what you do, why you're here. I'm Daisy. I work at a suicide hotline. It's a, you know a regular crisis line, except it's meant for teens to call in and a teen on the other end picks up. In the training, we learned a lot of really helpful active listening skills. And I thought that parents could really benefit from these skills. So I started teaching classes to parents on how to active listen to children. And Daisy, how old wow. are you? Wow. I'm 16. <laughs> I was 15 when I started. Wow. Diane, mom, <laughs> how did this come about? Well, actually, we were in a car ride living in LA. We have lots of long car rides. And we were actually driving to Teen Line. So it was about an hour and a half car ride. Daisy, uh, I think, wanted to talk to me, but I said the wrong thing. And it was a really, really long drive from Malibu to Beverly Hills. <laughs> and this was right after the Woolsey fire. So things were a little kind of weird anyway. It was just a totally silent car ride. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, so, and then later that night, I got up in the middle of the night to walk the dogs and or take the dogs out. And I noticed Daisy's light was on. But she called to me from her room. And she said, Mom, do you think if I taught a class to parents on how to listen to their kids that people would be interested. And that came out of your own frustration with trying to express yourself and not being heard. Yeah, I mean, it came out of my own frustration and the stories I had heard, you know, like working on the hotline and stuff I'd heard from my friends and the frustration of everybody going through this all the yeah. time. You said you started working for the hotline when you were 15. How did that even come to be? I think that, you know, suicide is something that's personal to a lot of families nowadays. Yeah. And I know it's something that's personal to mine. And um, that summer, uh, summer 2018, was a you know a hard summer for my family, and my stepmom told me about it, and I just knew right away it was for me. I understand all of us have uh, are touched by suicide, mental illness, depression, things like that, right? But it takes something special inside to say, well, now I'm going to actually go and help other people who are suffering from this. 
Can you remember that moment when you made that decision? What was the thing that drove you to wanting to help others? I feel like I've always had a passion for mental health for as long as I've been doing Teen Line and have been going to therapy and, you know, like dealing with my own journey of through my mental health. They're just the whole matter has really frustrated me, you know, how mental health is treated in our society and how it's getting worse. And it's one of the leading causes mm -hmm. for people my age, of these leading causes of death. And it's just that growing frustration, you know, my personal experience with it. And I think I just see things are not getting better mm -hmm. and it's not really being talked about or worked on. So you mentioned that you think it's getting worse. Can yeah. you can you tell me why, why you think it's getting worse? Yeah, I had a parent say to me at one of my classes, you know, when my child says that she wants to kill herself, that's like when I was a kid. And I said, you know, I want to run away from home. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just not the same. Not the same because thing. <laughs> the, the, the runaway rate with people that age was not, you know, the leading cause of death for teenagers. You know, this this is a big issue. It's not a call for attention. And, you know, if it is, it's a, it's a really serious one. It's yeah. a really serious way to ask for attention. You know, it's a really serious sign that something's wrong. Like every day, you know, the need for teen hotlines is getting, you know, it's getting greater. Mm -hmm. The school curriculum, you know, it's getting harder. Social media is intense. All the stuff that's going on. And still it's suicide is the leading cause of death for people my age. And I think especially right now, I mean, with everything going on with the pro-life, pro-choice right. debates that are going. I mean, it's just putting teens at another kind of crossroads right. of maybe going down that path, you know, taking suicide instead of being able to go and have an abortion if they need one. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think that exasperates it a lot. And it's, it's not an angle I've heard yet discussed. What I've been noticing is that teens your age are becoming active, sexual, a lot younger yeah. than even my generation, yeah. right? And social media, I think, has something to do with that. But what are some of the things that you are noticing that are causing an influx? And, you know, I definitely agree that, you know, for anyone, you know, with like all, you know, the political stuff that's going on, you know, it is hard for an LGBTQ plus teen, you know, it is hard for so many minority groups right now. But I also do want to stress that, you know, like, it's not a political issue, right? right? The things that I see are that are sort of making things worse is, you know, I was saying before, like, the curriculum is getting harder. Minority groups are having a hard time right yeah. now. And it's just a combination of so many things. And yeah, yeah, I couldn't really pinpoint one cause. I get asked this question so much. I yeah. still don't have a clear answer. In January, Oprah on her Super Soul Conversations podcast, she was reading A New Earth with Eckhart Tolle. It was 10 weeks for 10 chapters. And one of the weeks a caller called in and she was like 13 years old, 14 years old. And she had a really profound question on the chapter that was being reviewed. And Eckhart and Oprah, both very accomplished people, were just blown away by this teenager. Eckhart, I, I, get, I get chills when I talk about it, but Eckhart said, the youth of our world right now are coming to consciousness much faster because there's a need for it. Absolutely. And they're opening up that road for other kids in their generation. So like, I, I feel when you told me about your daughter, I, I immediately thought about Eckhart and that young girl on the call. So I'm curious, I, mean, I know you have other children. As she was growing up, did you see like she had something? I mean, everyone is special, but did you mm -hmm. see something in her that like was like 
supernatural a little bit or yeah um (laughs) i I can talk about it but yeah there were there were some things i mean and daisy has she has she's gifted Mm -hmm. so like she was in a gifted program it was always clear but it was interesting with daisy because she wasn't like a math genius or Mm -hmm. some that kind of it, it was like she was she was always gifted in understanding people Mm-hmm. And kind of like asking intuitive questions from from like the time she could talk. And she like when she was little, you know, whereas kids would normally have temper tantrums, Daisy would explain it. <laughs> you know, like she would be like very clear. But, you know, then there were then there she did go through. She did go through some times where there were things going on. And it with in her head, yeah, that were kind of scary. And then at that time, she and I, I remember asking her, "Do you think that has to do with your gift?" Yeah, because it was things that didn't seem like medically normal. When I asked her, because it was like we were really worried about her, and then I asked her, I said, "Do you think this actually could be something to do with your gift?" And she said, yeah, I was actually wondering that too. The thing that's really incredible to me is that as a parent, you're able to see this child and recognize the difference as a gift. My mom works with autistic kids, for example. And when she shares some of the stories of the way these kids are treated, even by their own families, it's Mm -hmm. a little bit heartbreaking because it's seen as a disorder to be different I do believe that the youth of today is coming in differently. You know, the the souls that are incarnating right now, that are coming in right now, they are coming to consciousness faster and they have more intuitive understanding of this humanness that we experience. Mm-hmm. And what an incredible thing to be able to recognize that. And either of you can answer this question. What advice do you have for parents that they see children that are very different from others. And it might be a source of worry, of concern, but how do you deal with that? You might be better to answer this question, Mom. <laughs> well, well, for me, I don't know what the advice would be. I mean, I think I, I parent differently than a lot of parents in my generation. I think there's a lot of parents have a lot of pressure to, you know, we call it helicopter parents, but I think there is a lot of pressure from parents to always do the right thing and not necessarily be intuitive in their parenting. I don't know what the answer is because I don't, I don't know why I like it because it was something that like did just totally freak me out at first. Mm -hmm. And then just, I think there's a lot of letting go in parenting and a lot of pressure to fit in even like as a parent and that's on social media too like yeah. on Facebook and posting about things you know where their kids going to college or you know what their sports accomplishments and things like that so to me I guess it's more like accepting w- the path that your kids are on and knowing that they're going to make their own way I think it's really important to let your kids have their own experience in the world I don't know if that answers your question or makes sense, but... Yeah, I think there's this thing that happens where we see our children as an extension of ourselves. Yes. And somehow them being different is somehow reflected on us, right? There's If if my kid is different, then there's this shame that why Mm -hmm. is my kid not normal, right? (laughs) I did something wrong. There's something wrong with me. And what I'm hearing from you is they're not. Yeah, allowing 100%. Like separating your own identity from the identity of the child and then allowing them to 
to be who they are. Yeah, I mean, you see even like so many parents, like you'll ask, even like a, a, a small child, you'll ask them a question and a lot of times the parents will answer the question that's for right. them. And to me, that's gotta be depressing. Like what if you <laughs> couldn't answer your own questions? For me, it was a lot of, I think, just... Surrendering. Sur- exactly, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh-huh. And uh, Daisy, just so you know, it doesn't stop. Like I'm 37 mm-hmm. and you guys can't see me right now on the on the the podcast listeners but i have platinum blonde hair and a purple stripe going down the middle mm-hmm. and my dad literally said can you just be normal <laughs> <laughs> you gotta see her last Insta- daisy's last instagram post addresses that <laughs> yeah and i'm like dad come on my dad is i think an extreme version of the kind of parents we're talking about right like a lot of anxiety but a lot of like seeing us as extensions of him and wanting his children to kind of do things he couldn't do He's wanted me to be a doctor for the longest time. He finally let it go. But I want to, if it's okay, bring it back, the conversation to uh, the active listening and Mm -hmm. and teaching the parents. Absolutely. So Daisy, when I was growing up, I grew up in Southern California. I was second of four kids. And I have an older sister, three years older, and then two brothers who are twins. And my sister is very intuitive. Uh, She's a Pisces. And so she started noticing one of my younger brothers had some OCD-esque issues, like early high school. Like I think he was like a freshman. He was a runner. And she started, you know, sounding the alarms to my parents. Like, hey, this is not normal. He would go for runs, like 10 miles. He's a cross-country runner. And he'd come and take an hour shower and just scrub his body to the point where, like, he was flaking white white flakes from his skin, uh, sniffing water to see what was in it. And my parents, I don't know if it's because they were not listening or because they were like immigrants and like working multiple jobs and exhausted but they like didn't do anything about it and then my brother ended up being diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia but a hard way he got arrested at some point in his early 20s uh, because he kept going to the local police station and asking for help saying my family's in danger because i don't know if you're familiar with schizophrenics Mm -hmm. but yeah so he thought like someone was trying to kill our family and hurt us. I came home one day and he was washing my chemistry book with soap and water <laughs> because he thought my college roommate had put, there was some kind of poison that my college roommate put. But my parents just avoided all the red flags. I don't know if it, like mental health was not addressed in when they were growing up and it was definitely not addressed when we were growing up. But my sister called it. She was 16 and she's like, something is wrong here. So I want to I want to know what you teach these parents or the kids like how do you bridge that gap right how do you listen to the kids <laughs> you know first off mad respect that sounds like a really busy household (laughs) (laughs) a little crazy (laughs) and one of the things that I would say to your parents you know in that situation is listen to obviously you know the siblings have a different insight than the parents would so just you know listen and respect the kids and respect their input the main thing I teach parents in general you know is to always be cautious the main idea is to support, not fix, if that makes sense. Support, not fix. Support, not mm. fix. That's the, the, like the main gist of the whole the whole class. And how does that? So, is your class like a like a one time workshop, or is it like a series of talks? Like, how does it? Um, is it mix? Yeah. Mix, r- okay. Right now, it's just like a one time. Okay. And like, how do parents respond to that? Because if you are a helicopter mom, yeah, or a tiger mom, whatever. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm not supposed to fix. It's my job. I'm supposed to protect these kids. Yeah. You know, I actually do get some pretty good responses to that one. You yeah. know, once I explain to them, you know, these problems that you, you you can never solve all of your kids' problems. And 
if it doesn't work out, you know, you might end up with your kid being upset at you. And it's just not going to benefit your kid in the long run if you're solving all their problems. It doesn't create a supportive environment for your child to go listen to you, to go talk to you. I want to say something to my mom, but all she's going to do is try and come up with solutions. It's not being there for your child. It's not being present. It's putting, you know, your own fear that you're not being a good parent in front of, like, being there for your child making it about yourself yeah. rather than the child yeah. yeah and also like i think a level of vulnerability for the parent yeah. right so in your classes or in the conversations you have either with teens or with parents like what is the conversation around trust i get a lot of questions <laughs> you know every class i have like one hot button issue you know so my last class it was dresses <laughs> small dresses the one before it it was cell phones and the one before that it was vaping on instagram <laughs> so, <laughs> vaping on instagram oh like yeah. showing yourself yeah like taking you know it like i always get something like that and you know the main issue you know always comes down to trust right like do i trust the circumstances my child you know do i trust my child to go out in this dress you know do i trust my child to have a phone and this isn't really something we talk that much about in my class because, you know, the main idea is just teaching active listening skills. But yeah. the idea is that if you can open up your relationship to where your child feels comfortable telling you things that's going on, that will help build trust between the two of you. If your child can trust that you'll be there to listen to them, that will do wonders for your relationship. What are some tips that you would give to a parent? Let's say the parent is a helicopter mom, but the kid is suffering. Right. There's a breakdown of communication and the parent is pretty much at that edge. They don't know what to do. They're lost. Are there, first of all, some things that this parent can do right away, just easy things they can start implementing into the way they communicate and what are they? Something I like to teach and my mom's favorite part of the class is self-care for the parent too because when your kid is going through a hard time you know that hurts that hurts a lot for the parents it's really hard to hear you don't want to project your sadness about your kid's hard time onto your kid and make the conversation about you you want to be present Mm. So maybe, you know, journal for a bit or do a meditation or lay in bed and listen to Unleash the Peace. Listen to this episode on a listen loop. Listen to this episode, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, just like do some, draw a bath, you know, anything that's going to yeah. take a walk, anything that's going to calm you down, go to the spa and just to see, check in with yourself and then go back to the conversation. And... Another thing I like to say that I think is equally as important, you know, is don't judge. Even if you don't really agree with, you know, where your child's coming from on a certain situation, you know, maybe they're having an argument with their friends and you're thinking, you know, well, you did do something, you know, pretty rude to your friends, you know, maybe you should apologize. So if you can't relate to the action, you know, I tell them to relate to the feeling. So maybe they can't, yeah, maybe they can't like understand what happened, but they can understand that feeling of like losing people who are so important to you. That's very profound. (laughs) I mean, those are, I think, things that you can do in any situation with anyone and they would strengthen your relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, most of the ideas that I share in my class, they're for any relationship ever, but because, you know, the people at my class are parents and mm-hmm. I'm a teen, you know, it's like that perspective that yeah. adds yeah. to it. Do you sometimes forget that you're a teen? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it's 
Sometimes we all do. <laughs> <laughs> or we forget we're adults. Um, I do like to play the therapist. I do like find myself with my friends and I enjoy to play the therapist. I do find myself playing the therapist with yeah. my parents. We're working on setting up that limit, you know, like at what point I can't instruct my own parents. You know right. what I mean? Right. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> and um, I have done some things that I feel like have made my childhood less childish. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I started working when I was 14. I, you know, I've been vegan since I was like 12. And when I was like 13, I was so stoked to be 13. I applied to every fast food place ever. <laughs> and I was a little 13-year-old vegan. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, sometimes I, I do forget. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's funny. Ellie and I uh, just recently finished a book uh, listening to a book called Journey of Souls. You will it's like it. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. book if either of you want to listen to it or mm -hmm. read it. We were talking about how she's gifted, right? Uh, Daisy has a gift. But I think you coming into this life and having a mother like Diane is not a coincidence, right? So for someone to come with a gift like yours and not be supported, you know, would almost be like a tragedy. Tragedy. <laughs> and also, uh, I mean, you would eventually get to where you need to go. Mm -hmm. It would just be a little bit harder. You would have more obstacles in yeah. your way. I know Ellie was a young age. She always kind of played that therapist role, mm -hmm. right? Except not as consciously as you right yeah um, so for me i had a very different different upbringing and parents who who were not present when i think back now at it i can look back and see all the way to elementary school every broken person in my school would somehow find me and then find clarity through our interactions uh, but because my childhood was so volatile it was so violent and and unconventional i ended up being a very angry very broken myself and it took me into my adulthood to to find my way all none of that i regret but i can tell you one thing that when i was your age i didn't feel like i had parents and my mom listens to this podcast and I love my mom dearly. She's our number one and listener. She's our number one listener. And, and, but, but uh, you know, when I was younger, I felt like I knew better. And in a lot of ways, I did know better than my parents at that time, you know, because they had their own drama that they were playing through. It wasn't until my mid-20s when I was able to just forgive and see things a little bit more clearly that I was able to establish or deepen my relationship with my parents. With my dad, I've forgiven my dad, but I don't have, I haven't had a physical relationship with him. Like, I don't know if he's alive or dead or anything, but I have just love and compassion now, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas before there was a lot of anger. So I guess my question for you, Daisy, is as a teenager, the way our brains physically develop, we think we know everything. And in a lot of ways, you know everything because you are closer to that soul beingness than we are, right? So the longer you spend in this body, the more you start forgetting what you actually are. So in a lot of ways, you are closer to that, but also in a lot of ways, your brain is still developing at this rapid pace, making all these new connections, and you are still learning, right? So how do you then balance remaining teachable, remaining open to new things and new information, and then also maintaining that intuitive knowledge? I think it is hard. The, like the other day, I was at the suicide hotline I work at, and I was doing a scenario, and they gave me 
you know, the option is pass or redo. And they gave me a redo. And I was like, what do you mean? I am the teenage whisperer. (laughs) 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 I know. (laughs) And you know what? (laughs) I was was pretty bummed. And I, like, thought in that moment, you know, like, just, like, take a deep breath. This person here is, like, a licensed therapist who's mm-hmm. gone through all their school. They've, like, sat in through way more role plays than I've practiced. All of the information she was giving me was to benefit me. So I, I have so many mentors right now. Like, sometimes yeah. it feels like everyone I know is a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I have so many people giving me such good advice. It is hard for me to listen all the time. I teach active listening, but uh, you know there is so much for me to learn. Next year, I'm gonna take a psychology class at Santa Monica um, Community College, mm-hmm. and so you know I'm trying to schedule you know the things in my life so I can learn you know more. Try and stay open to it. That's great. <laughs> it is really amazing. I can tell you, when I was your age, I thought I knew everything, and then the more I learned, the more I know. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. The more I see, the less I know. Yeah. The more I see, the less I know. Exactly. That's exactly right. Dan, how is it for you balancing that being a parent and then also being a mother? It's kind of hard because, you know, I mean, imagine like you're mentioning these the, the traffic and driving in LA. Mm-hmm. So imagine like instead of the ride being like this really stressful ride with your kid, you could get a free therapy session <laughs> in that time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have to remember that Daisy needs me yeah. right. and that she needs me to listen to her. Yeah. So I try to work on that. Because, you know, she gives really good advice. <laughs> and she's a really good listener. Yeah, I try not to give advice. It's not active listening. No, but you do when I when I ask. Sometimes you give, I ask for feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You give suggestions, not maybe suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> Remembering that Daisy is a kid. Yeah, I, for, I sometimes forget yeah. that she is a kid. I think that that's, you know, that's something that I need to work on so okay so you're teaching these classes you're taking some therapy classes right yeah or you're going to psychology psychology classes you're in high school yes okay so what's what's on the horizon for you oh man okay (laughs) yeah I feel like I have so many opportunities right now I love to do something in mental health what's on the horizon maybe a book oh no (laughs) (laughs) I know we're thinking about it like when I think of writing a book I just get so insanely overwhelmed Mm -hmm. but I definitely get like really excited too you know when I'm older my dream has always been to be a politician so Mm. yeah my future is so open and were you born in this country yes so So you know I'm good I can be president (laughs) (laughs) what is your book about do you have any idea? Um, you know, it'd probably be about listening to a child. But, you know, yeah. I'd like to write a book mm-hmm. just about my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just yeah. tell people about me. How is it making friends? I feel like people from my school are going to listen to this podcast. But <laughs> <That's okay>. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I make friends easy. But I make close friends. I have a difficult time with that. I have OCD and anxiety and depression, all the all the good things that go with being a teenager these yeah. days. So, you know, I get picky with my close friends and I'm busy. I'm a busy kid. <laughs> and I don't like to talk so much about the stuff I do with my friends. So it's just a little confusing where I am all the time (laughs) and you know it's hard making friends but I think I've found some good ones. Do you find it easier to make friends with 
people older than you or your age? Definitely. I have a lot of friends who are older than me. You just made two new ones today. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Friends and Join fans. the crew. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a lot of friends who are older than me. This is true. <laughs> I think I'm a compatible person with lots of people. <laughs> yeah. So um, May is Mental Health Awareness yes, Month. Yes, I know this. Um, so we're doing a couple podcasts this month around the topic of mental health. We already covered one earlier this month about living with uh, OCD and having an eating disorder with a, a friend of ours who's an actress. There is something going on in downtown LA. I just have it here, May 18th through 27th. It's called We Rise. Have you heard of it? Mm. Um, a friend of ours told us told me about it and she was volunteering there, but they have like a series of workshops mm. and exhibitions all around mental health awareness and it's sponsored by the LA Department of Mental Health. So I was curious if you knew of it or if you were planning on going, because I'm, I'm curious about what, what the exhibits are. Yeah, no, I didn't hear anything about that, but that sounds really interesting. Definitely. Yeah, it's like a pop-up. It's a pop-up. So I don't know if they like go to different cities, yeah. uh, but right now, for the time being, they're, they're in LA. And they actually, you can volunteer there. So if you're interested in volunteering, maybe that could be our first friend activity together. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that definitely does sound like something I do. I'm always like popping in and doing these little things. Yeah, just sitting here and listening to you, I'm excited for you because, yeah. like I said earlier, I'm 37, and just now, just in the last four months, well, about three years ago, but really in the last four months, I really started doing what I love to do full time, which is this: our podcast, our mm -hmm. company, Peace Unleashed, where we teach mindfulness to corporations. Uh, we host meditation parties, but it feels so amazing to live from this space, right? And I, it seems like you're already living from that space and you are 16 right yeah. so you have a whole like I don't know 90 years people are like <laughs> living to like 120 now to do what you love it's exciting right and so I'm just curious like how does that feel because like I'm there now and I can look back and see all the kind of experiences that got me here like if I were to do this 10 years ago I wouldn't be in the right mental place so what does that feel like to have that at your fingertips now <laughs> uh, it's exciting <laughs> yeah people always ask me you know like what's on the horizon what are you doing you know what are you gonna do when you're older and like i had no freaking clue I, there's TED so talk. many what ted, ted talk. talk oh <laughs> <laughs> Book? Ted oh, talk. oh ted talk <laughs> and uh, there's just like so many things out there it's so exciting i feel like i am at like point in my life where like all i have is like oh <laughs> sorry School is very important, <laughs> but you know, like my like my my priorities right now are like school and work. But then there also is like I'm so passionate about so many projects. Maybe it never does feel so fulfilling to dedicate as much time as I do to this class. I had to drop behind one of my more political extracurriculars, and that was such a bummer. You know, mm -hmm. I, yeah. Do you ever feel pressure to live up to something? Yeah, I do, and. When I was in this gifted program, we were talking about, I always think about this, like, when we were, like, sixth grade, I don't know what age, I was probably, like, 11, 12, 12 yeah, mm -hmm. like, fresh 12, and they, like, had us, like, build projects, like, a, a product, that, and, like, a business plan, and, like, a commercial, and, they, like, they were always just pushing, like, you have to be, like, inventing, you know, you mm. have to be doing something different with your lives, they sort of made it feel like if you don't do something special, you know, you're wasting your gift. 
Mm. And, you know, it is a lot of pressure to live up to. Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about unconditional love on this podcast and in other events. Something just kind of occurred to me that a lot of people put conditions on love as Mm. to I need to act and be and behave and say certain things in order to justify somebody else's love. For me, and when you just kind of describe this gift, this program, Mm -hmm. you know, if you don't live up to this expectation then you're wasting your gift. That is also a conditional love, mm-hmm. right? That's an yeah. example of conditional love that is given. But uh, I want you to know that you don't need to do any of the things that you are doing <laughs> to be loved because you are love individualized in human form. I don't want to talk so much trash about like that class. Trash. <laughs> yeah, trash talk. <laughs> but, you know, like... Oh, is this... You mean about the gifted class? Yeah, because, okay. oh. you know, I, there were a lot of kids in that class who it just would have like been so terrible for them, like such mm-hmm. a shame for them to be in classes that, you know, weren't the gifted education. But I think that I've always been like a different type of gifted, like my mom was saying. Yeah. And so, you know, it wasn't for me. You know, the kids like loved making those projects. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. It's stressful. Yeah. And so yeah. thank you for what you said. So, Daisy, we talked about advice for parents. We talked about active listening. If a kid mm-hmm. is going through a really hard time and they don't know how to communicate, what advice do you have for them? Or they have parents who aren't hearing them. Every kid's situation is different, right? So I can't give one blanket statement of advice. Like what you're going through sucks. It like definitely sucks so bad. If no one in your life is going to be there for you in the way that you deserve to be cared for, then I would maybe recommend that you turn to other activities like journaling or drawing or reading or like, you know, just listening to your favorite music when you feel upset. Anything that you can do to take care of yourself. How about drugs and (laughs) cutting myself? I would not recommend those activities. (laughs) So many people on the, when I get, like, you know, I talk to them over the line and or over text and I ask them or they say that they've been self-harming and it never works out for them they're still there you know they're still in crisis they're still not feeling good about themselves I know it's a lonely feeling and it's really frustrating and confusing but those activities aren't going to help you in the long run yeah so choose things that yeah. make you feel right. better better and there's resources right like yeah, teen there's, line there's resources out for you like teen line and you know there's so many hotlines teen whisperer like, yeah, to the team was get tell your parents <laughs> and um, <laughs> this podcast book coming out. Yeah, <laughs> talk soon to follow. I have a question. Yeah, I personally have dealt with wanting to kill myself in yeah. the past, not as a teen, but you know, as an adult. And I'm curious, like, let's say, you know, I, I'm obviously I survived. I didn't kill myself. But the aftermath, do you have like advice for parents or, or kids of how to deal with like the guilt that's built up after you? put yourself and your family through an episode of you know potential suicide or because I can tell you for myself like there was a lot of guilt afterwards and some shame I had to go through and I feel like I'm still going through some process of forgiveness for myself and like kind of reestablishing balance with my family and my my close friends who I kind of inundated with my crazy thoughts and and behavior so is that ever part of the dialogue when you talk to kids either on the teen line or when you talk to parents? I haven't gotten that question over the line, but, like, it definitely is a a really relevant question. And, you know, I think people who are feeling guilty about stuff like that, I think it's important to remember, you know, you were going through something really hard. And a lot of people 
who have, you know, done stuff like that, they are going through it alone. And no one deserves that. A lot of people who attempt suicide are at a point where their emotions are out of control. So I think if you're feeling guilty, maybe convert that guilt into getting help for yourself now. Getting yourself a therapist or finding good connections, good people, you can maybe FaceTime if you're feeling upset again, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Find the coping mm-hmm. mechanisms that work for you, journaling or drawing. And, you know, just realize that you were going through so much that your emotions were out of control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you mm-hmm. think about it, like if someone beats cancer, yeah. like it's it's a celebration, right? right? They're like, right. I beat cancer. But I don't feel like that same sentiment is available for people who overcome a mental health mm-hmm. issue. Right. Mm-hmm. Whether it's schizophrenia or depression, it's because it's it's still not seen as like an illness it's almost yeah. like you chose to behave that way i mean yes we we all make choices right we our choices lead to us getting cancer right you right. know if i'm sick, smoking a bunch of cigarettes but I, I i think there's still a gap there i want to bring this up because you know you are an advocate for it and just something to kind of keep in mind as you talk to people because I, I think it's it's an angle that's not really looked at because there, there could be relapse right yeah. mental illness is treated so differently from physical illness it's you know, it's just, it's a real shame. If this were something that you could see, there would be a lot more action going on right now because so many people are dying so often from depression and anxiety. Or they're living miserably. Right, they're (laughs) they're suffering. Daisy, where where can we find you? How can we connect with you? So you can find me over Instagram, (laughs) Daisy Prince Johnston. And you can also email me, daisyprincejohnston at gmail.com. Awesome. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. You have a website yet? No, sir. No. But <laughs> we are <laughs> coming out soon. Yeah. Yeah, and we, have a, we have a landing page, but oh, we're nice. Yeah, so. And what about yeah. you, Diane? Do you want to plug your Instagram? Because you said you did a story. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> my Instagram is at the Diane Prince. Mm-hmm. I'm the momager. I mean, that's not my Instagram, but I am Daisy's <laughs> momager. <Yes. laughs> For those of you guys in LA, you know, we have our meditation parties and those are by invite and you can always get in touch with us if you like to attend. But we are going to bring back our meditation hikes. Our first mm. one is Wednesday, June 5th, 6.30 p.m. We're going to be hiking to Mescal Canyon. Uh, so basically, we'll do a hike first Wednesday of the month for uh, the summer months until the sun is still shining uh, so that we can enjoy a nice sunset. And we'll still continue to host the meditation parties. So this will be in addition to. And they're wonderful. If you guys are free, if we're ever out in Malibu, I'll let you know. Awesome. To, uh, but the first hike is June 5th to Mescal Canyon. Yes, join us for those. Can I give a plug for Daisy's business though and of tell course, people absolutely. how what they can do if they absolutely, want if they yes. want more. Daisy does private classes mm-hmm. and she also does she works at treatment centers. So she'll go in and lead parent sessions for teen adolescent treatment and then also yeah, we're just looking for people who are mental health advocates who could maybe help in different ways, book agent, you know, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. That's what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. But if you did want a private class, either video, if you're not in LA, if you're not local, a video class or, um, or your own class with some friends or even one-on-one, you can, you can email at daisyprincejohnston at Gmail or connect with us through, through Instagram. Wonderful. 
Thank you. And if you want to connect with us, we are at Peace Unleashed on Instagram. That's where we share love notes with you every single day. And I have lives where I answer your questions about the internal world. So connect with us through that. And if you want to work with us at any capacity, check out peaceunleashed.com. And until next time, when we come back and dive into another aspect of the internal world, we wish you a peace-filled day. Thank you.